Well, as 2022 comes to a close and a new year begins, uh, we close the chapter on another year of fads and trends uh, that will most likely come back in about 20, 30 years as the next new hip and trendy thing. Some fads and trends that will make 2022 memorable are the creation of the metaverse, NFTs, virtual reality, augmented reality, remote hybrid work, chunky loafers, neutral colors, no? <laughs> camo. Apparently camo was in this year. Uh, but listen to some of these fads and trends of these. In the 1980s, it was the Hacky Sack, Smurfs, Hulk Hogan, the Rubik's Cube, Cabbage Patch Kids. In the 1990s, it was Furby, Fanny Packs, Push Pops, Polly Pockets, Spice Girls. And in the 2000s, it was the uh, Live Strong Yellow Bands. Energy drinks, flash mobs, MySpace, Von Dutch trucker hats, Razor scooters. In the 2010s, it was Cronuts. And who remembers Coney 2012? K-O-N-Y. Fidget spinners, internet challenges, Pokemon Go, and the famous stress debate. Was it gold and white or was it black and blue? But just like how fads and trends are short-lived and inconsistent, the question that I want to ask you today is this. In 2022, has your prayer life been a fad? Has it been a short-lived craze in 2022? Or has it been something that's been consistent? And so today in the time that we have, I want to challenge you to think about your prayer life. If we truly believe in the power of prayer, if we truly believe that the God of the universe answers prayer, then we need to take our prayer life seriously. Tim Keller, who is like a Bible wizard, he's like uh, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, or like Dumbledore in Harry Potter. In his book on prayer, he describes this crazy season of his life as a pastor in New York City. Uh, it was just after the 9-11 attacks, his wife was struggling with Crohn's disease, and he was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. But he shares this beautiful metaphor that his wife tells him, and she tells him this, Imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine. A pill every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? Would you not get around to it some nights? No. It would be so crucial that you, would, that you wouldn't forget. You would never miss well, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all we're facing. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't just let it slip our minds. Now, I love that because their lives depended on prayer. It wasn't just a fad or an emotionally driven experience, but it was a desperation for the presence of God. So I wonder how many of us today, how many of you today, are you praying because you have to or because your life depends on it? And so as we head towards the end of 2022 and as we begin a new year, I want to give you a snapshot of what prayer is and what it isn't. Because 2023, it needs to be a year for all of us where we surround ourselves with prayer. So I want to give you the tip of the iceberg of what prayer is and what it isn't. And then we're going to spend some time praying together. If you've got your Bibles, let's read our 
Matthew 6, 5 to 13. Verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Well, the most basic definition of prayer is talking to God. But it's much deeper than that. Prayer isn't explicitly defined anywhere in the Bible, but its basic meaning is to ask. And we see this through Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is up on a mountainside and he begins to teach his disciples about prayer. And it's here that we find the Lord's Prayer. It's Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Jesus gives them a framework for asking God to act. Now, do we need to make all our prayers like the Lord's Prayer? No. Do we need to pray the Lord's Prayer seven times a day? No. Jesus gave us a model, a guide, a framework for prayer. And if we look, out, if we look throughout the Bible, we'll come across many different types of prayers. If you look at the book of Psalms, it's filled with prayers of thanksgiving, lament, joy. But sometimes to understand the definition of something, we have to look at what's not. We have to look at the opposite. To understand what prayer is, we actually have to see what it's not. And Jesus gives us these clear indications in Matthew 6 of what prayer is not. Verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Prayer isn't a formal presentation to show off how articulate or how intelligent you are. You know, that was the problem that the church leaders in Jesus' time had. They were way more concerned about their outer appearance. They were more concerned about their, their latest air King Jordan sandals and their latest Tesla donkeys. You know, they were more concerned about their outward appearance than their inner heart. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Prayer is not a performance. It's not a show. God doesn't answer prayers just because it sounds more articulate or intelligent or because we've prayed for hours. Prayer is also not a spiritual negotiation. It's not bargaining with God or making demands of God. God is not your genie in a bottle. You know, we've all prayed those prayers like, like God, if you just make this toilet flush, then I promise I'll serve you the rest of my life. You know, we've all prayed those prayers. Prayer is not a negotiation. You do not get to negotiate with the King of Kings. We do not get to, to manipulate or gaslight the king of the universe. 
all we get to do is bring our hearts and our requests before God. And it's only by His grace that He inclines His ear to us. How amazing is that? So prayer is not a formal presentation. It's not a performance. It's not a show. It's not a spiritual negotiation. But as Tim Keller puts it, prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. We communicate with God through conversation and we encounter God through both the affections of the heart and also the convictions of the mind. So what is prayer? Prayer is a conversation with God which leads to us encounter His presence. We're meant to be a people who are constantly conversing and encountering God through prayer. It's our opportunity to share our hearts with Him, to ask God questions and to talk openly about the good, the bad, and the ugly things of life. Our prayers to Him can be pre-written. It can be freestyle. It can be public or private. Spoken, thought, sung, written, rapped, shouted, whispered, or chanted. We're all wired differently, and so we all pray differently. I remember growing up, um, up until high school, my, my parents forced my brother and I to, to pray every night before bed. And I remember what I prayed. God, thank you for the trees. Thank you for the food. I prayed for my mom and my dad, my grandma and my brother. Amen. Now, did I know what I was doing? Not really. Was I praying because I had to? Yeah, probably. But I remember when my prayers became conversation and encounter with God. It changes everything. I wasn't just praying to get things from God, but I was praying to get God. There's a massive difference in that. Now, does this mean that you'll never struggle with praying to God? No. It just means that you move past the understanding that prayer isn't just a list of requests, but it's actually an opportunity to be present with God. In Luke 5.16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mark 135, very early, in the ne- very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Prayer wasn't just a momentary action that Jesus did occasionally, but Jesus prioritized the presence of God. Jesus was praying to converse and be in the presence of God. And so when we pray, we should be experiencing God's grace. We should be experiencing God's peace. We should, we should be experiencing the convictions of sin in a loving way. Too often our, prayer, our view of prayer is too narrow. It's about what we can get out of God. But it's more than that. Prayer needs to be the way that we live. The Apostle Paul encourages us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to pray without ceasing. Is he saying that we should lock ourselves away 24 hours a day, seven days a week? No. But what he is saying is that prayer is not a momentary action, but an ongoing awareness that God never leaves you. He never forsakes you. That he's with you. And you can talk with God anytime and anywhere. You can converse and encounter God while you're in the toilet while you're walking, while you're driving, while you're at work, while you're fighting with your spouse. 
We are called to be continually in prayer as a way of life. We're meant to be a people who are constantly in prayer. Just as Jesus lived out his life in constant conversation and encounter with God, we are to do the same. I remember going to high school camps as a volunteer, and one of the most nerve-wracking things for introverted, shy students is the mealtimes. And I remember going to these camps and praying every time, God, would you just sit me next to a student who needs you? And I remember sitting next to these students, hearing their stories of broken families, struggle for identity. And sometimes they just needed to be reminded that God was with them. And sometimes they just needed a lunch buddy. But I think that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to go to him, no matter how big or small the request. I encourage you, next time you're in a conversation with someone today, ask God to direct the conversation. Ask God to use your words to encourage the other person because you never know how God will use you. He wants us to be constantly in a posture of prayer. And so today, what is the posture of your heart? Are you praying to get things from God or are you praying to get God? Because the most important prayer that we'll ever pray in our lives is not for things, not to become successful or health, but it's asking God to forgive our sins. Because the reality is that we're all broken and we've all sinned against God. Every single one of us, we've disobeyed God. But the good news is, is that God in his mercy, he sent Jesus, the sinless son of God. He was the one who was sacrificed in our place. He died. He was buried. But on the third day, God raised him from the dead. God defeated death, hell, and the grave. And now anyone who prays to God in the name of Jesus Christ, God hears that prayer. And he forgives all your sin, all your shame, all your guilt. He forgives it all. So whether you're watching online or you're here with us in this space, if you haven't surrendered your life to God, then I want to challenge you. The greatest prayer that you'll ever pray is surrendering your life to God. It's asking God to forgive you. And if you call yourself a Christian, then what is the posture of your heart? Are you praying to get things from God or are you praying to get God? Because I promise you when your prayers become conversation and encounter with God, it changes everything. Let's close our eyes in prayer.